What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You are now tuned into the Grown Table Podcast, an Octavian Collective production. This is a show where I, Jerome, and my co-host, Darnell, sit down and try to digest some current events and hot-button topics in our culture and society. We hope that you enjoy your taste of what we'll be serving. Hope you brought your appetite. Welcome to our table. All right, we are back with episode five. Now, normally, uh, every single episode, we have a variety of different topics, but this topic is so important, we felt that we needed to devote an entire episode to it, so that is what you guys are about to receive, and that topic is none other than politics. Politics. So, Darnell, what are we going to be talking about this week? All right. So we're going to be reviewing over the current standing of politics. So that means, like, where is Joe Biden in terms of his uh, approval rating, things that could be affecting that, some issues that we've seen in society. We're going to touch on the bipartisan infrastructure bill um, and some issues that have been surrounding that, as well as a little bit of Democrat Party infighting. So we've heard a decent amount of Republican infighting over the past uh, year as a result of uh, Donald Trump. However, a lot of people don't know that the Democrats have actually been doing a decent amount of fighting themselves. Uh, So we're going to touch a bit on that. um, And then after that, we'll recap some things that we've seen in the 2021 elections, the gubernatorial elections in New Jersey and Virginia. Uh, Take a look at a couple of trends and we'll go from there. See where the conversation takes us. All right, let's start hot. Is Joe Biden doing a good job? Now, his approval ratings are at an all-time low. Are they being too harsh on Joe Biden, yes or no? So my answer is they aren't being too harsh on him. Oh. I think the expectations were high. Mm Mm-hmm. However, the promises were large as well. Yes. And the more time that passes, we are seeing that there's going to be a change of the guard, at least within the House of Representatives, which is typical. Usually in an election cycle, um, a presidential election cycle, where we see uh, the presidency change into a different the hands of another party, the Senate goes into into the same hands of the same party as well as the house of representatives. Once you see that happen, usually if that presidency isn't making the necessary changes that they promise, Mm -hmm. or if the way that they've been governing hasn't been to the liking of the American people, Mm -hmm. which is usually immediately what happens (laughs) once midterms roll around two years later, you see that flip begin to change, like begin to happen. So, so you don't think so? Uh, like his approval rating apparently is about like thirty eight percent. You don't think that's too low? Because while I will admit Joe Biden is not my favorite person, uh, just like when Donald Trump was in office, I said Donald Trump is not my favorite person. He is doing better than I thought he would be doing at this point. I thought he honestly be dead or like in a coma at this point so he is doing good is there anything positive you have to say about joe biden um there is some positive to say about joe biden i agree i agree so the rollout of the vaccine Mm -hmm. um it's actually been pretty successful 
people who have been wanting to get the vaccine have gotten the vaccine outside of the er- the early first couple of weeks mm-hmm. where there were longer lines and stuff like that. Once once that initial wave was done, like it's it's pretty simple and quick to get tested. If uh, for COVID, it's pretty easy to get the vaccine as well. And we live in Florida, so. <laughs> COVID doesn't exist in Florida. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, is it <laughs> you you would think, right? But it with that being said, the vaccine issue aside, aside from there are significant amount pockets of people that aren't getting vaccinated. But there's only so much you can do in terms of being the US government now where some issues are coming to the surface has been with the vaccine mandate. Yeah, and, and and that's actually which I which I believe are being blown out of proportion. I what do you mean by that? So a lot of people have been making noise about the Joe Biden um, vaccine mandates, right? Yeah. They don't go into effect until January four. Well, that's because they pushed it back. Yes, right. Yes, yes. And because it why because they are adhering to the this time of year. Oh yeah, which is holiday like season. Capitalism money, baby. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in the way that I look at it is, I mean, that was going to happen anyway. He takes care of those big corporations. Big corporations got to take care of them. Exactly. Know, because the big corporations are having a hard time themselves with getting people vaccinated or even mm-hmm. getting people who are vaccinated to apply for their jobs because they don't want to pay anymore. Yeah. And give be- and give proper benefits. But that's neither here nor there <laughs> at the moment. So that's one of the things that's really shot Joe Biden in the foot has been the handling of COVID. So in some facets, you can say, yeah, he, he has been a good steward of the country in that regard. However, yeah, he's went too much into the vaccines when it was like, okay, look at man, the average American already got vaccinated. We're trying to look past this. We're trying to buy an inflation's going on. All this stuff's going on. Like talk to me about real stuff. Do you think that's why his approval rating is so low? Well, part of it. Okay. A lot of the messaging and um, that has been put out about Joe Biden has been based around COVID because he is the COVID president. Yeah. yeah. He's not the president that COVID started under, but he yeah. is the caretaker yeah. of the country during the COVID period. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that there has been a misunderstanding on multiple fronts as to how much impact he was going to have oh, on absolutely. people's opinions in terms of getting vaccinated or not. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I believe that he has had an influence on more people being vaccinated. However, mm-hmm. he his his actions in terms of executive orders mm-hmm. regarding COVID has also alienated a pretty substantial group of people. I, I try to be lenient on... Biden, when it comes to this whole coronavirus and vaccine, you know, situation, because I truly do feel and I'm not a Joe Biden stan or super supporter, but I do feel like any president would have fumbled the bag with it. Like this is something that no matter how good of a spokesperson you are, no matter who you are, there's always going to be part of the country that doesn't want to get the jab and part that wants people to get the jab. So I do agree where that's where Joe Biden made a little bit of a slip and um, by hyper-focusing on this, and that's why his approval rating is probably as low as the 38% that, you know, I was talking about earlier. But, and we're going to go into, I mean, 
trust me, we are going to talk about all the things Biden is being blamed for. One, the seven, almost 7% inflation rate. But I try to be very lenient on him when it comes to the coronavirus thing. Is that fair or no? That's fair. Okay. That's very fair. I mean, reality is we are still in a pandemic. We are, actually, even though it doesn't feel like one anymore. It, it, I mean, we live in Florida. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. But um, I do believe mm-hmm. that one of, the, one of the things that he has failed on is understanding yeah. who Americans are. He's a 90-year-old white man. He's <laughs> Not close to 90, but not, not necessarily. Like, what, I think he's 79, 78, 79, something like that. <laughs> something like that. Close enough. But, <laughs> but the, the, he's, he's stuck in being the COVID president, not realizing that when you have a country that is trying to move forward, mm-hmm. like, yes, we have too many people dead, mm-hmm. too many people dying, too many people not taking the necessary precautions that they should, mm-hmm. you know, through this virus. I think making such a big deal about booster shots yeah. has alienated a lot of people who haven't even gotten the first shot. <laughs> like, I, for one, don't have a problem with a booster shot, mm-hmm. but that's because I've already had two shots. I don't care. Yeah. Like, I, I'm doing what I feel is right for me, and that's what me and my family have discussed. That is the, the approach that we're going to take is to – get vaccinated or get further vaccinated, you know, when booster shots are available to everyone else. Mm -hmm. Well, the additional mandates, the, the talk about booster shots, the focus on COVID when the rest of the country feels as if there are other fish to fry is where people feel as if like, no, this, he's not paying attention to what, real issues are going on. Exactly. And here's the thing. Some people may look at that and, and look and they, they may hear that and feel as if I'm speaking more so from a conservative perspective. It's like, no, actually there are plenty of people on the progressive side yeah, of the aisle. Of and just so everyone knows the political spectrum in America is stunted compared to <laughs> the international understanding of politics. What we consider to be far left in this country is barely on the left side of the the actual political spectrum. I will be leaving some resources, that means videos and a couple of articles in the show notes for everyone to be looking into the political spectrum as we understand it in America and how it compares to the international understanding of how politics um, are weighed in terms of what we call left and right and what we call authoritarian and what we call a libertarian in this country. That being said, there are people on the left who are dissatisfied with a lot of the promises that were made by Joe Biden and mm-hmm. his campaign. A lot of people are disillusioned with the promises that were made just earlier this year that were walked back. So one of the first, one of the first and easiest low hanging fruit to grab from is the two thousand dollar checks that were promised, <laughs> that were immediately cut to sixteen hundred. Once um, the special elections out of Georgia, yeah, um, were were concluded in the beginning of the year. Yeah, so okay, it's interesting because one of the things that uh, Joe Biden's getting low approval ratings for is uh, inflation, obviously. 
And um, I spoke about this in my first podcast, talking about I hope we can match wages to inflation. But for all of you guys that don't know, pretty much it's estimated that uh, we're in like a 6.2 something inflation rate. So if you didn't get a 6.2 something percent increase in your uh, wage this year, you're actually losing money because the value of the dollar has gone down, blah, blah, blah. So um, I truly don't know how much of that i'm not an economist i don't know how much of that is due to biden apparently the theory is oh well when you hand out free money like they did with stimulus checks and unemployment this is bound to happen and then another group of people says oh well it's because the supply chain is broken so which is it can it be both who's right here is it because the supply chain is is not as efficient now or is it because of the stimulus checks which one is causing inflation all right so first off people who say that prices are too high mm-hmm. are always happy to receive the money so they can afford the goods that they say are currently too high. So yes. putting money in the poor people's hands, especially after um, Democrats cut knees from under a lot of people who were supposed to be receiving additional stimulus funds, they, they in fact put tougher restrictions on those who they consider to have the means to not receive the $1,600 checks. Okay. So Democrats actually put more restrictions on who was able to receive money from the government than Republicans did. Wow. When they were in power. Yes. I mean, that doesn't surprise me, but wow. There are people who received checks from Trump twice that that did not receive a check from Biden. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) So it, 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 it's really funny that people who have been throwing out information saying, oh, well, when you pump that much money into the economy, a lot of people who ha- who received those checks paid rent, mm-hmm. paid credit cards off, or were, were able to buy stuff for Christmas for their kids, like... I love how, like, I know you're not conservative at all, but... Oh, don't it's, don't it's say fun- it all. Don't, don't well, say I shouldn't say it all, but it's like every single time I hear you talk to me on this podcast... All I can think is people are going to be like, that's that conservative black guy. But you're you're not conservative. But what you're saying right now sounds conservative. But I'm agreeing with you. I'm absolutely agreeing with you. In, in which sense would you say that it sounds conservative? That that the the Democrats, when you when you're just patient and you, we're talking about the political spectrum, mm-hmm. right versus left, mm-hmm. and it's so easy to fall into this thought pattern of. Oh, Democrats, they want to help the lower class. They want to help black people and Republicans, the white people. They they want to keep the black people down and they're just selfish and all that. And when you actually take time to look at some of the laws that have been implemented, it's like like you were saying, it's like, oh, wow, some of these laws hurt black people, hurt the black community and And hurt poor people. I, I think too many uh, of the times that we tr- we try to look every at everything on a black and white yeah. scale, mm-hmm. it's it's not necessarily mm-hmm. you know that no pun intended, but it's not that black and white. <laughs> you know it 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 really does come down to social economics. Okay. Um, for people who don't know what socioeconomics is, where <laughs> the amount of money you make or the amount of wealth that you have impacts your standing within society in the way that mm-hmm. you're able to maneuver through society, either that's through the legal system mm-hmm. um, or even just through the way that people treat you. Mm-hmm. That being said, I believe that the biggest issue that we've been dealing with has been from that economic perspective that 
because politicians don't want you to focus on the fact that there's corporate greed <laughs> and how much businesses have an impact. And when I say business, I'm not talking about the mom and pop shop on 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 third. Oh, of course not. Of course. No. Not. I'm speaking about these major corporations who put a, who flood money into the political system. Mm-hmm. So we've heard that come out a lot of times, but people don't really see it in action. I mean, you gave me a good example. I mean, you know politics a lot better than I do, but you gave me an example. It's like, okay, look at Obama bailed out banks, you know, in uh, 2008, and then he retires from his presidency and he gets to uh, speak. At, he does all these press conferences and it's like, oh, well, guess who's paying him $300,000 to have a speech at it's this bank. So obviously they're like in cahoots with each other. They get in bed with you. You can explain it better than I did, but you taught me that and it completely changed the way I thought about this. I was like, oh, Lord. Right. I mean, <laughs> when, when, when you have a president whose first speaking engagement he gets paid the exact amount of his yearly salary from when he was president. <laughs> that is that is the biggest, like, pat on the back in thanks. <laughs> now, that aside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That aside. It was just an example. <laughs> right. <laughs> in, in America, we get so caught up in these culture wars, mm-hmm. I believe. Oh, we do. Where we simplify a lot of things down to race and sexuality and just so many other identity-based elements Mm -hmm. that we allow for distractions to come into place to not actually see the change that we want to see. And we know that the change that is needed the most in America is economic. Yeah. Yeah. We understand that there is a growing disparity between the the classes of wealth. Mm-hmm. What was considered to be middle class just two decades ago can be compared to poverty nowadays in the American sense. And in very the American important sense. to say the American sense, yes. In the American sense and American understanding. Mm-hmm. And you, you actually brought up to me earlier about... Uh, this one content creator who was asked, who was saying, you know, poverty is normal when you strip everything away. When you go back mm-hmm. to the the early annals of mm-hmm. human history, poverty is 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 commonplace. Mm-hmm. The question should be asked: Why are there people who are rich? And I would sit here and, of course, I disagreed with that that notion. <laughs> I would say. Why are there so many people who are poor when there are so many people who are rich and they have this much wealth? Absolutely. Now, that's not to sit here and say that people shouldn't get, shouldn't be able to get rich because, I mean, I own and run a business, small business. I hope to grow that to where I want it to be mm-hmm. one day, and, and I hope to benefit financially from it. Mm-hmm. I would like to do uh, things differently Yeah. with the wealth that I hope to accrue. Um, and I'm hoping that we have a better tax system that we're able to get mo- the most bang for buck. Yeah. You know, for the taxes that I do pay, I will, I, I have no problem paying for a certain amount of tax. And even if it's a little bit higher than I would like, as long as I see the benefits going where they should be going. I think that's most people's yeah sentiments towards that. Yeah. They just get taxed and they're like, for what? To go to Afghanistan and like, I, it's it's. But see, now here's the thing: mm-hmm. 
there are people who complain about tax policy mm-hmm. in a certain way that is disingenuous. Explain. Ben Shapiro. Low-hanging fruit, oh, but, we're, but we're going there. So a few, <laughs> uh, about a month ago, a mm-hmm. month and a half ago, I sent you a video. Mm-hmm. It will be included in the show notes, ladies and gentlemen, of Anna Kasparian from yes. the Young Turks, from TYT. I remember that video. Uh, um, debating, discussing slash debating Ben <laughs> Shapiro at a um, at a conference that was being sponsored by a uh, Chamber of Commerce. Okay. So for those who don't know about the Chamber of Commerce, that's that's where a lot of the bi- local business owners go to 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 advocate. That's a, that's a good that's one word <laughs> or lobby for pro business uh, policies. Now that sounds very good on the surface. However, there are some chambers of commerce, most most chambers of commerce mm-hmm. that will cut off their nose to spite their face in a sense Mm -hmm. where they have no problem making certain policy decisions at the detriment of their local area for the sake of profit. So that means within a, within an area, the chamber of commerce actually pushes policy that benefits the few wealthy as opposed to those who don't have means to lobby and influence. Okay. Now, the Anna Kasparian Ben Shapiro. Back to that. <laughs> well, you got you explained so, to people. No, it's okay. You took a, a long time, but this when we first had this conversation, I didn't know what the Chamber of Commerce was. So I'm assuming there's other people out there that didn't know what it was either. So sorry, continue. Right. So hope hopefully this in just to. A couple, uh, you know, a little editor's note. That's what we want this episode to be. We want it to be one that's a little bit more educational, one that gets some thought provoked. Because there's going to be some anti-left stuff said, and there's going to be some anti-right <laughs> things said. Um, or, or at least things that are critical. Because we should be critical. Of both sides, we should be critical of all ideas. And then if there are certain things that we can come to a consensus on, let us come to consensus. If there are certain things that we would have to compromise on in order to try to get to an amicable decision, then let's do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the biggest issues that we have is that there hasn't been enough people taking the time to explain certain things so that people can understand, digest, and really come to a informed decision on how they want to go about voting, how they want to go about even speaking about certain ideologies and so, and so forth, and even what they decide to teach their, to their kids. Of course not. It was just all arguing. Exactly. And that's a lot easier than to sit here and educate, right? Facts. No, but uh, go back to, sorry, go back to what you were saying about the Ben Anna Shapiro. And ben Shapiro yes. So the way, that, mm-hmm. the way that Ben Shapiro talks about taxation is, mm-hmm. in that video specifically, he says, well, it gets taxed. Five, six, seven different times. I don't know how. how, how <laughs> I remember that. Right. He says, I don't know how many times you can you can tax a dollar before yeah. before you're left with nothing. It's like. And everyone started cheering. Woo! Right. Because that's <laughs> cute to say. That's very yeah. cute to say. But no one in that room was would be willing to clap and say, you know what? Maybe the amount of tax money that we spend shouldn't be going to an overinflated military. And this is coming mm-hmm. from someone who comes from a line of military men, but also mm-hmm. has Plenty of friends who serve in the military, and mm-hmm. I even have interest in it myself. Mm-hmm. The way that we should look at taxation, in my opinion, should be 
first, let's see what we're spending money on that we can cut cut back on. That is reasonable. Everything that they're spending tax money on can be cut back. I and disagree. It's reasonable. I well, sorry. Keep going. Keep going. Right. <laughs> um. But I think that's the first thing that we should look at because we talk all the time about balancing checkbooks, right? Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of conservative talk says, you know what we need, we need to balance our checkbooks. Mm-hmm. But then they cut out the revenue that could be generated to help balance out the checkbook mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of taxes. And oh yeah, by the way, Democrats are doing the same thing with the Build Back Better bill. We'll talk about that soon. Okay. <laughs> we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Um, but quick question though you might know better than I do argument that inflation is actually good it can inflation be a good thing is that possible so I was reading an intercept article an article from the intercept about inflation and how Inflation is actually pretty good. I'll be leaving that link in the show notes as well. I can't imagine it will be a good thing. So <laughs> one of the things that inflation has actually triggered in America. Depression. Has been, no, I'm just gonna go. Well, there's that. But <laughs> also it has triggered a movement for employees to demand more from their employers. Yes. Prices yeah. are going up, but wages aren't. Mm-hmm. In fact, wages are being cut. You know, benefits are being cut. Mm-hmm. And what many corporations have been claiming has been that, well, we've lost a lot during the pandemic when <laughs> statistics have actually been coming out that corporations have been raking it in over really? the course of the pandemic. Interesting. Certain corporations, I'd imagine. Most corporations, actually. Wow. Well, okay. Most corpor- most large corporations have been rolling in the money. Yeah. Because for those that have figured out a way to pivot yeah. or a way to upcharge. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. There's going to be a have. lot of that going on. They have. Yeah. You know, those who have been able to get away with cutting workforces, mm-hmm. i.e. Oh, yeah. out of for the sake of safety, they've done that as well. Yeah. Those who have tightened the belt. Mm-hmm. So they said they said they were tightening the belt short term, have kept those practices in place, even though. Otherwise, around, let's say, a warehouse or a factory, everything is back to normal. But the paychecks aren't. Yeah. Interesting. So things like that have been going on. But you see so many uh, labor movements going on as well mm-hmm. that has been in opposition to the practices that have been sustained for so long and have gotten even worse during the pandemic. Yeah. So I think something that needs to be said is how COVID-19 has really in some, in many ways, the way that it impacts the body has also impacted society mm-hmm. and as well as the economy in certain ways. So one of the things that we have learned about COVID-19, the coronavirus, COVID, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> is that while in and it of itself, the virus may not kill you, 
it is, especially if you're healthy. Yeah. And that's, the, that's, that's one of the key things mm-hmm. is if you are healthy, it doesn't have an impact on you that it would have on those who are not healthy. Yeah. It also has the ability to either uncover an underlying condition that you may have mm-hmm. or take an underlying condition that you have and turn it into a death sentence. Mm-hmm. See, we've seen where with the body it has have that it has had that impact, but in society, it has taken a lot of things that we have let go unnoticed or we have pushed to the subconscious of our minds instead of taking care of certain things. Mm-hmm. And it has either exposed underlying conditions that we've had or it has taken those underlying conditions and made it a death sentence in America. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's more of a, a philosophical point, but I mean, I, I definitely agree. I'll give my little perspective on what you just said i mean there are people that might have been very happy and content with their jobs and you know the part that they have in society but when your shutdowns happen you quickly realize it's like oh look at this nine to five thing uh i no one's safe right now like i might have a nine to five go into my office every day punch in do a little bit of typing make my money and go home but you really quickly start to realize as soon as the economy shuts down they already have a label called essential workers and non-essential workers Mm -hmm. so forget what you thought was going on with your life in the world but we about to tell you what's going on now so yeah that's one when you say like underlying condition i think uh the concept we're speaking philosophy safety some people thought they were safe they weren't and on the vice versa, sorry to take so long on this point, there's people that mm-hmm. thought they were probably mentally healthy, but when you lock them inside for months with nothing but their thoughts and their bank account, they start to see like, oh my, like I'm really not as healthy as I thought I would. So the virus did, it actually had its biological effect, but you're absolutely right. It also had its econ- economical effects and spiritual and sociological, Social, psychological, everything. yeah, it, it impacted a lot of unhealthy parts of society. It, it impacted a lot of unhealthy sides of families. It impacted the unhealthy side of the, um, like we were saying, the economy, mm-hmm. where the supply chain, we understand, has, has been disrupted severely. That too. Maybe it was just a catalyst. That's what I like to call it. It just sped up what was inevitably going to happen, I believe, right in the first place. And how poetic, I would say it is, that all of this happened in 2020. What do you mean, poetic? <laughs> it, it's, it was supposed... So 2020, vision... Oh, okay, yeah, right. Being, a, being <laughs> able to see things perfectly. Yeah. Quote-unquote perfectly. Yeah. A lot of things that we were unable to see about our economy... Mm-hmm. About how the way that the supply chain works, mm-hmm. just-in-time delivery, the mm-hmm. way that our healthcare system works, the way that our banking system works, yeah, the way that uh, um, the, the way that our government caters to corporate interests as opposed yeah. to the interests of the people who are suffering way more than these corporations. Yeah, those things that many people weren't able to see. Oh, including in um. A police brutality and social injustices. Of course. A lot of that came to the forefront in 2020. Mm-hmm. There were eyes opened 
mm-hmm. that we're given better vision on what it is our current society looks like. Now, here's the thing. There are plenty of people who still are unable to see it, understand it, or just completely apathetic about mm-hmm. it at this point. There are plenty of people who just don't care at this point. A little bit of everything, yeah. And I, and I myself have found it where I'm a little bit apathetic as well. Oh, absolutely. As am I. <laughs> as am I. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, we will start to talk about... So one thing we were talking about the other day... And this is one thing I will credit Joe Biden on. And I don't know whether this was a power move, a political move, or he actually cares about the Republican Party. Um, but we had this bipartisan infrastructure bill passed um, uh, a couple of days ago, actually, officially. Um, so I'm going to give you my little take on this. So the whole and you're going to have to correct me a lot of times with this, but I'll give you what I know. So the whole concept of a reconciliation bill is that it's sort of like uh, ace in the hole or like a Trump card where not Trump isn't the president, but, you know, the the, the term um, where you technically don't need the support of the opposing um, party in order to pass this bill. You can sort of play that Trump card and say, hey, look at we all my parties, all my Democrats, we really want this to happen. This is what's going to happen, and you you get the bill passed. The confusing thing about this is that, so we have a bipartisan infrastructure bill right now, but Joe Biden initially wanted the bill to go through in the one, which would cost like five, what, trillion, billion or trillion dollars? Am I speaking the right? Well, so... The initial plan started off as a Bernie plan of $10 trillion of investment over the next 10 years. Oh, I didn't next know 10 that to 15 started Bernie. Years. Okay. Right. Okay. He had to, Biden had to get the, the more progressive people on board some That's way, true. somehow. That's true. Okay. So, he, so a lot of people may not know this, but he actually sat down with Bernie Sanders during the political campaign I did in order to that. get Bernie's endorsement. Okay. I did and not know and that. He, he actually, consi- they, they came kind of to a, a, I won't say a deal, mm-hmm. but to an agreement of things that should be highlighted more in his campaign. Okay. That's how Biden got Bernie's um, endorsement. And Bernie's was $10 trillion? That's insane. It's, it depends on, on if you believe that amount of investment is necessary coming off of a terrible economic year or not. Oh, true. Well, because and some people would say it's overdue. Biden's initial thing was four point seven five, and then they had to break it into two. Well, more around six, but six. Yeah, and then they brought it down to three. They brought it down to three and a half. Oh wow! Okay. And then from three and a half, it was actually cut down to to one point seven five. Okay. 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 Well, now you're getting me excited. Okay, so let's talk about this. Okay, so we had Biden. That why did Biden decide to work with the and this is an interview now for you. Why did Biden decide to work with the Republicans on this infrastructure bill when he technically could have just passed everything he wanted with reconciliation? So because that's just the kind of politician he is. One of the things that Joe Biden received a lot of flack for mm-hmm. was that he was in Washington for so long as a senator. Okay. Um, I think 30, 40 years, something like that. Okay. Um, he was actually one of the young, one of the youngest senators 
Really? One, yes. At, at one point, he was one of the okay. youngest senators that got voted into the Senate. So, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, so that's just his history in politics. He's like, let me just do this the gentlemanly way. The glad-handing way. Okay. But now, here's the thing. What is the benefit, and this is what a lot of progressives are arguing, what is the benefit of compromising when ultimately they aren't meeting the goals that are necessary to really help society? What is compromise when you know that more needs to be done to help those in need? Why work with people who are always going to undercut yeah. progress? And that's sort of what we were talking about earlier. It's like maybe it was just uh, I know I might be out of the presidency in two and a half years. He's definitely not going to get reelected. Let me stay in good graces with the opposing political team. I, I, I don't know. It just seems like a weird thing to do when he could have had every single thing he wanted and instead, he breaks the bill into two parts and decides to get Republicans in on the first half. That's what he wanted. He yeah. want he wanted to have the tag of bipartisan, and, and bipartisan doesn't mean that that's balanced. If only one yeah. Republican voted for it, it's bipartisan. <laughs> and, and 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 let me be very clear. I think I've I've been praising Joe Biden since this podcast began. And I, trust me, there's a lot of things I don't like about him. I thought that was the smart, gentlemanly thing to do. I have no problem with that. I just thought from a political, conventional game theory perspective, it was kind of weird of a thing to do. But, but what does it benefit him when he's not being reelected anyway? Maybe he, he, he might as well, Maybe he thinks he's going to be possibly reelected. You know, not at not at <laughs> eighty one years of age. Not. A, I mean, he's happy to just be alive right about now. I, well, yeah, well, but. What many people on the progressive side of the aisle mm-hmm. would say is that he has an opportunity. So one of the things that a lot of people don't know mm-hmm. is that there's a lot of symbolism in the Oval Office in the White House. What do you mean by that? Every president would pick up a couple of pictures that they want to have displayed mm-hmm. within the office, certain colors displayed mm-hmm. within the office, certain type of furniture displayed in the office Mm -hmm. in order to bring kind of their personality as well as to project their vision for America. Yeah. So one of the things that Joe Biden did to try to make a statement of what type of president he wanted to be was to get a photo of FDR. Okay. um, Behind him. Mm -hmm. And I think Trump's um, president that was behind him was, Nixon or something like that. <laughs> I could be wrong. I think maybe maybe Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> I'll look into it. But anyway, I'll look into it. Um, he did a a photo of mm-hmm. FDR. Now, for those who don't understand, oh, he's impact, nowhere near. It's ridiculous. He's nowhere Can near we FDR. We shouldn't even be using them in the same sentence. This but, guy's a clown. But, but here's the thing. Mm-hmm. But it's good to aspire to be like that. I I can't. I respect the fact that he aspires to be like that. It's just not going to happen. But here's the thing. The opportunity is also was also there for him. Yeah. The leverage was there for him. Mm-hmm. Think about how large of a package they put together as soon as he got into office. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it was $1.9 trillion, I think it was. I'm not sure, but I'm familiar with some of the stuff that he did. But, yeah. It was a, it was a lot of big things, and, mm-hmm. and many progressives are saying, all right, you have the momentum strike while the iron is hot actually bring forth these transformational things that you were speaking about in your campaign. Interesting. 
to fruition mm -hmm. because anybody who actually understands the way the political system in America works, mm -hmm. you have a very small window. Yeah. Very small window. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. So the 2021 elections mm -hmm. where we, where we saw the governor's race and a couple of down, uh, down ballot elections as well mm -hmm. that haven't have shown that re the Republican party is gaining significantly and fast oh, and yes, fast momentum. Are. On on Democrats, yes they are in low in local races and in mm -hmm. lower level races. It's as a result of a lot of the broken promises that Joe Biden had. But because of the results, mm -hmm. the narrative in the media, well, he's been talking about a lot of leftist stuff, and mm -hmm. and and as a result, uh, um, we believe that 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 Democrats are losing these races and stuff because they're saying that they're too left. No, <laughs> Democrats aren't keeping the promises that they made. Yeah, that's the reason why Democrats are losing. That's one of the the reasons why Democrats are losing. the The transformational policies that he was proposing, mm -hmm. so paid family leave, mm -hmm. um, expanding uh, uh, Medicare, uh, um, cre creating universal child care. Don't forget about that student loan debt. <laughs> well, that was one of the things that got wiped off as well. Yeah, yeah. So all of these op all of these things that could could get more people into better standing in terms of either working or in terms of uh, of their quality of life mm -hmm. financially mm -hmm. to be to to be more free financially because of student loan debt things like that can be transformational in terms of the way that America would come out of this pandemic mm -hmm. many many believe so FDR got got voted in for times as oh, president that's right i forgot that was back when presidencies weren't limited to two terms right yes and here and here's the thing they wouldn't i believe that the powers that be would not want for another popular president like that because that president has obviously been doing something that's been benefiting the bottom the, yeah. the, the lowest common denominator yeah which they don't like that <laughs> right so you have to keep the musical chairs moving in order to because you don't want someone to solidify themselves with a certain amount of power. So, so yeah, r real quick, I, I like where you're going. You're talking more of philosophy and all that, which I, I'm a big fan of. But yeah, I think I, I know it's going to be tossed out of the window. I do want, yeah, right. I do want to talk about the infrastructure bill real quick because we know what it is because we've done research. You follow politics, but a lot of people probably don't know what it is. So I'll do my little 30 minute, uh, 30 second explanation. And I'll let you take over. So there's technically two sides to the infrastructure bill. It's the physical infrastructure and it's the human infrastructure. And um, the physical just being like, they're taking care of railroads, buildings, they're pumping this money into the economy in the hopes that it'll improve it and you'll create more jobs, it'll create you know, safer places and all that good stuff. And the human, inf the human infrastructure uh, is more like um, helping of children, of families, and all the things that a progressive liberal would think of that they want inside of a, a, a bill. Um, you do your little explanation and break down uh, your opinions on all of it. Right. So most of it you got um, absolutely correct okay. about, the, about the physical infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, so one thing, it's not a two-part bill. So the bipartisan infrastructure bill, mm -hmm. the focus was on physical. 
specifically. It's, yes. it's not like it was broken into two parts. These okay. are two completely separate bills. Okay. The initial plan was for them to be passed in tandem. Yeah. Where there, the provisions that Biden knew was not going to make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was just like, let me put this on something. Another right. Okay, yeah, it wasn't going to make it through the Senate. It wasn't going to make it through the Senate. Um, so he took out a lot of those provisions and he said, you know what, we're going to do it through through reconciliation. So for those who don't know the impact of budget reconciliation bills, budget reconciliation is the reason why there was a massive tax cut back in 2017, 2018. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so the Trump tax cuts were actually done through budget reconciliation. Oh, okay. Um, budget reconciliation is a maneuver that is allowed in Congress in order to balance out the budget. Mm-hmm. For anybody who understands how taxes work, <laughs> that completely threw out the, the 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 balance of the budget. So there was actually a clawing back of the deficit okay. in our spending as a nation under under Obama. Okay. Um, the, the that deficit was actually reduced significantly under Obama as opposed to under the Bush administration where it exploded massively <laughs> as a result of ding 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 tax cuts okay. and then getting into wars that those tax cuts didn't um didn't pay for okay after being left with a budget surplus under the Clinton administration but that's 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 going far back that's that's history that's history but Right now, mm-hmm. uh, move, moving forward, mm-hmm. we've had reconciliation bills put in place that were supposed to help balance out our, the way that we spend money in America. Mm-hmm. That hasn't happened, of course, uh, um, uh, lately. Now, one of the things that are has this is the first time in quite some time that is being used specifically to stimulate the economy. For for the sake of trying to balance it out long term, one of the things that we didn't see with the Trump tax cuts was where it was supposed to balance out. Okay, I thought that was a requirement for reconciliation, but you would have to prove that. But in in theory, it's supposed to. But yeah. here's the thing: all you have to do is just come up with your own numbers and say that, <laughs> that, that this this is the fact that we want these these are the figures that we believe are are, are correct. Yeah. So the. <laughs> Congressional Budget Office, the CBO, you might hear that from, hear about that from time to time. In fact, you're going to hear that um, as this uh, the Build Bad Build Back Back Better Back. bill mm-hmm. that is supposed to be passed through budget reconciliation. You're going to hear a lot about the CBO score, where the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, would come out with a determination of what they believe um, the impact of the budget reconciliation bill as written is supposed to have. Many corporate Democrats, mm-hmm. of which on in mainstream media they will call moderate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, the American political spectrum is not accurate of what left and right actually means. Of course. Um, and what moderate in the American understanding would mean. Mm-hmm. Moderate in American means Republican. That's what that's that's what that means in terms of the the modern day understanding of American politics. So you might as well when you hear moderate Democrat, you might as well hear Republican. No, yeah. In in terms of the way that they operate, um, in 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 terms of the finances of America, so they are usually bought by corporate um, entities. That being said, to kind of speed 
through this. Well, no, I, so I have a, I have a quick question. Uh, going back to the infrastructure bill, mm-hmm. so I I've, I want you to go into some of the things that are in the infrastructure bill, like physical and human infrastructure, and I want you to tell me like what is the intention behind like so so let me give you an example. And like I said, I'm only asking you this because you know politics. This man wants to throw billions of dollars into railroad production. Mm-hmm. Explain to me how that will do anything. Will it generate money? And if it will generate money, how long will it take before we as a, a country see that money boost the economy? And same thing with the human infrastructure thing, too. I mean, talking about giving money to parents with children, uh, will that actually benefit or does it just sound good in theory if any of that makes sense so we need more rail in america okay so with us having more rail access we can Mm -hmm. cut down on the amount of trucks that are traveling across country we can also cut down on the amount of cars we live in florida we don't Mm -hmm. we do not have a good rail system we need more we need more trains that cut that cut across let's say the i-4 corridor Okay. Between Tampa and Orlando. Yeah. Imagine if we were able to get on a train and travel between Tampa and Orlando in 45 to 50 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Think about the amount. If 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 it was efficient enough that, let's say, 20% of the vehicles that are usually on I-4 are no longer on I-4. That's amazing. That would cut down on Sounds a lot like of car accidents. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's the significance of adding rail in okay. America. A lot of... Countries, a lot of European countries, a lot of Asian countries have been able to establish efficient rail race, railway systems, mm-hmm. high high speed rail systems where they can travel across country. Of course, a lot of them have smaller countries, but they are able to travel <laughs> two to three times faster than we are in 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 America in terms of rail. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity that we've been missing out on where people can easily travel. In fact, in the Northeast. There are much better monorail systems, um, transit systems where people that's their preferred uh, uh, method of yeah of travel because of course driving in cars sucks so bad yeah up north, but it's it's convenient you can get between New York and D.C. in an hour. Okay, imagine if we were to have that access more widespread throughout the country. That's that's less less cars on the road, less um, emissions, carbon emissions from vehicle um, exhaust. More people are saving money in terms of gas and in terms of insurance because, oh, absolutely. Well, that's contingent upon whether <laughs> or not the insurance companies will actually come down off of their prices. Yeah, which corporate greed says, eh, they're not going to do that. That's not likely. Will this also create more jobs? The, the and we're just speak f- talking about the physical infrastructure bill so far. Is will that help create more jobs in America? I tend to think. That and I'm obviously a little biased because you know I'm a, I'm a, I have a bachelor's degree. I technically have a master's degree too. I would like the economy to put in more jobs that um, help support people that are in student loan debt. And you know, can you? But that's that's neither here nor there. Will this actually create more jobs? This physical infrastructure bill. So that's the, actually the biggest thing that the Biden administration wanted to make sure that they put into the bill mm-hmm. was that it would create permanent jobs that okay. which that should be demanding salaries of a minimum of seventy thousand dollars without requiring oh, okay. a college degree. 
Okay, so I can't be mad at that, even though it's going to be skewed towards people that are like doing trades and that don't have college degrees and all that. Uh, it will still be creating more jobs, which I think is beautiful and amazing. Right for what Absolutely. many people consider to be the backbone of America Absolutely. are those I are agree. those who don't have a collegiate degree exactly. and have learned who have learned trades. So yes, I, I like it. I like it. Um, now talk a little bit about the human infrastructure bill. Give me probably your favorite thing that they're doing with that, and tell me if you actually think that will have any impact on the economy or is it just look good on a piece of paper and helps him get more votes? Um, so the first thing I do, I do want to make sure that these figures are put out there. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And the, the, I will be including the Reuters um, article that breaks down the, um, new, the new spending that is going to be in the, the uh, trillion dollar bipartisan infrastructure bill. That focuses on the physical infrastructure. So mm-hmm. for those who don't know what in- physical infrastructure is, this will actually give you a much better breakdown. Mm-hmm. So roads, bridges, major projects like that are going, um, they're going to be receiving about $110 billion of investment. Passenger and freight rail, $66 billion. There have been arguments that that's nowhere near enough in order to really <laughs> have a robust rail system in America. Broadband infrastructure, $65 billion. There are some complaints about Ooh. that as well. Uh, but it's necessary. Yeah. Um, to speed up the internet access um in areas mm-hmm. that are being underserved in terms yeah. of in terms of broadband connection, like where I'm from. Yeah. <laughs> we need expansion of broadband connection. So, um, hopefully, my town would be included in where they are doing that expansion of broadband. Water infrastructure, such as eliminating lead pipes, so cough cough Flint, fifty five billion dollars. Um, public transit. So buses and stuff like that, there, mm-hmm. there's an investment into, there's going to be an investment in school buses okay. um, to be run off of um, e- e- electric energy. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. Um, so they're trying to, they're, they're beginning with this package, they're beginning the transition mm-hmm. to um, so, solar, not solar powered, but um, mm-hmm. uh, um, elect- e- e- electrical uh, school buses. Uh, resiliency including full flood and wildlife mitigation, ecosystem restoration, weatherization, cybersecurity. That's really broad, but there it that's receiving forty seven point two billion dollars. I I would think that that would be broken up a little bit more, but Reuters didn't break it down that way. Uh, now Biden, real quick, Biden said I was watching him and he said, and I want you to I want to know if you agree with this or not. He said this bill will go down as like I can't quote him exactly. One of the most significant bills passed in like decades is that and obviously politicians are used to using all these like loaded, emotionally loaded terms to get us to sell us on something. Objectively, mm-hmm. this bill sounds really good to me. Like I'm liking everything you're reading to me. And of course, this man wants to be FDR so bad. Will this go down in the history books as one of the most significant bills? Or is it just was that just talk? We'll see in ten to fifteen years. It when takes the money, time when, to see. Yeah, when the I money has been so. spent and okay. and we start to see the fair the, the actual physical mm-hmm. transformation in America yeah. as a result, mm-hmm. then I think yeah, okay, you know, um, but it's also contingent upon everything else that's surrounding it. So yeah. it while it's it's a much needed um, injection mm-hmm. into society. Again, we won't know for 10 to 15 years Yeah. Uh, on the impact. In fact, we probably won't know for another 30 to 40 mm-hmm. if we're still here. 
<laughs> God bless. <laughs> um, but I do believe that injection into society is only going to be valuable if there's stability across the board on yeah for the rest of these years. Yeah. But because of the nature of America, I don't see tell. that. I don't. I don't see that happening. Yeah. You know, there are plenty of other crises that that we're still currently going through mm-hmm. that we don't know how that's going to impact mm-hmm. the country over the over the course of that time anyway, so. Yeah. And then um con- continue, but and then the next thing is the human infrastructure bill, uh that part of the bill which is like we said more so progressive liberal uh ideologies uh if you could pull up like a list of what he's doing on that and like explain in each one of the topics or whatever i'll jump in but um i i will say i like the physical part a lot more than the human infrastructure i thought that part of the bill was very subjective very uh but yeah yeah, go (laughs) okay um so the original package like we were talking about has gotten whittled down so um 3.5 trillion dollars was the the compromise it was that's the, the it compromise was, yeah wow again how how many trillion dollars are we currently in debt <laughs> a lot probably 20 something i mean we always- how much do you worry about that on a daily basis <laughs> not how, ever <laughs> how how much of that money do you believe that has already been spent mm-hmm. actually went to benefiting you like one percent of it, if that. One <laughs> percent of what? Twenty one trillion, twenty two yeah. trillion. <laughs> so I want people to really think about that. It's like these these are basically imaginary numbers at this time. <laughs> imaginary. These numbers. are back. These are basically imaginary numbers at this. So the it's been whittled down to three and a half trillion. Uh, from three and a half trillion dollars to one seventy five. So immediately okay. cut in half. Yeah, cut in half. Okay. And what what's in it? Some of the things. So, what we have is about five hundred fifty-five billion dollars put in place for climate change initiatives. Also, that means transitioning away from fossil fuels, um, and you know a couple of mitigation mm-hmm. things that were put in place to try to help cut down the reduction, um, cut down the amount of greenhouse gases. You know, quick, oh. quick fun fact: Like the U.S. and China alone use like forty percent, I think, of the entire global. They emit like forty percent of the carbon dioxide. So that's like a more U.S.-China. Pro- well, it's a world problem, but that's like a little fun fact, right? And so <laughs> I, I, I would, I would think that half a trillion dollars is reasonable yeah. to, to try to <laughs> fix some of that, some of those issues. Yeah. And here's the thing. A lot of that money is going to businesses anyway for oh. them to, for them to make the transition. It's not that the U.S. itself is going to be making it. Like the government, it doesn't have that much influence. It gets this money is just getting spent to disperse to to local governments as well as certain corporations in order for them to make the transition. And who's to know that we're actually going to see exactly. the transition? And that's the reason why exactly. there's so many people arguing against it. Yeah. So, but I mean. That is not the principal reason why people argue against the bill. <laughs> but I'm saying like that that is that is yeah, a critique that is, it is. reasonable. It's very in, reasonable. in in the conversation, but people don't want the government to have that much influence over corporations. Yeah. So I don't know what you're gonna get out of that. Yeah. Um the next thing is child care and universal pre K. Mm-hmm. 
which is huge. You and I were actually um, talking about this earlier. Yes. That is very necessary. Mm -hmm. So $400 billion as of right now are prepared for child care and preschool programs for at least the next six years. Okay. Um, so this would allow access for three and four year olds, which I, you and I discussed is mm-hmm. necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also limits child care costs for certain families. So it could be no more than 7% of their income. Now, I, And I, parents must adhere to work requirements to qualify. So they made sure that that was put in there. Okay. I, I want to interrupt you real quick to make a very important point. Joe Biden keeps harping on the fact that the biggest thing we're going to get out of this infrastructure bill is that people will be more efficient in the workplace. And and, and I, I like where he's going with this. I'm not sure if I can agree. So let me just give you a hypothetical uh, a train of thought. He's saying, okay, well, we do this human infrastructure bill. We help people take care of their children, blah, blah, blah. Now they're not stressed out at work. They're not going to work beat up, tired. We get more efficient workers. That will help boost the economy. And that's his argument because they're like, oh, Biden, you're causing inflation. He's like, no, this infrastructure bill will help the it will help inflation. We are going to have more efficient workers, supply chain, this supply chain, that blah, blah, blah. I don't know if I agree with him because I I love some of these bills being passed. I, I can't agree with them completely. But I, I love that they're at least being tried as opposed to nothing. What's to make you say that people become more efficient workers because they have a break from taking care of their child? They have free pre-K. Well, I just don't think that will transition perfectly into a more efficient workplace when it's been shown that most of Americans hate their job in the first place. What's your opinion on That's that? That's very true. If but that part of it why they hate it even more is because of their kids. out of concern for their kids and out of concern for the amount of money that they have to spend on their kids yeah so if and what are the the number one thing that you hear people complain about in terms of their children especially in the early stages is how much child care costs yeah many parents especially during the pandemic have made the decision for one of the parents who were working to go ahead and take that time off mm-hmm. so they can focus on taking care of their kids. Yeah. There are plenty of people going back to that model of parenting or that model of of, of the way that their relationships operate mm-hmm. because of the financial squeeze that it would that it that it would take for for one parent for both parents to be working as opposed to one parent to work. They're, they it's more beneficial to just take that financial squeeze for for having one salary in the household. Mm-hmm. As opposed to paying for child care. Yeah. It, it makes perfect sense. I, I, I love it. I just really, you know, like I said, Joe Biden has actually been impressing me over, you know, the last month or so. I, I really do. I just, I just can't help but to imagine. It's like, I do genuinely think his heart is in the right place with some of these bills. That's something I can't say for all politicians. I mean, they're all relatively semi-corrupt but i think his heart is in the right place with this human infrastructure bill but i'm just like what makes you think that this stuff will translate into a more efficient workplace and economy now treat people better always treat people better people does everyone deserves to be treated better and with more respect but to say this will objectively combat inflation it'll combat it'll combat depression and anxiety which is beautiful in itself but to co- to say it will combat inflation, I just can't imagine it will. But that's besides well, part of it is that this investment 
into child care lifts up the wages of people who work in child care. Okay, interesting. So that's that's one yeah. that's one significant element because there are a lot of babies being born as a result of COVID. Not yeah. a, as a result of COVID, <laughs> but during as a result of the lock-ins of COVID. Yeah, yeah. I have way too many nieces and nephews that were born <laughs> over the last year. It's ridiculous. Really? Yes. That's funny. But that being said, the incomes of those workers would go up. But not only that, when your focus is not when you don't have to worry about spending a certain amount of money on child care, like it, that bill being eliminated in a sense, mm-hmm. it frees your mind in terms of the stress that you're carrying when you go to work because certain bills are also are being able, are now able to be taken care of because you don't have to worry about that burden of child care, yeah. the cost of child care. Yeah. There are people who spend as much, if not more, on child care than they do for their home that they live in. I believe it. Yeah. And so it it is it it has it has gotten to the point where it's astronomical. And the sad part about it is that there are so many uh, um, teachers, er, er, early education teachers, who aren't getting paid the amount of money that they should be because mm-hmm. they are watching your kids while you're at work. Yeah, that that's a good point. They are teachers, but they're also if we're being uh, keep keeping it one hundred, they're babysitters. They're, they're absolutely babysitters. Un, unless <laughs> unless they it's a facility mm-hmm. where the emphasis is placed on the development aside from just watching. It's, it's uh, yes. aside from just watching. These yes. Um, because the preschool that I attended, mm-hmm. that I went to, was was very academically focused. And, of course, it got it helped. Which is amazing. It helped me get to where I am. And most child care facilities like that are really expensive because they have proven results yeah yeah i can't help but to think but to some people probably lower class people in poverty the lower primary education system is pretty much just a glorified babysitter for them they're just like send their kids to school to get rid of them for eight hours a day and because they got stuff that they need to do for eight eight, nine ten hours a day I completely understood. So imagine when when you have younger children mm-hmm. who that is the situation, mm-hmm. you would be a lot happier when you know that the teachers that they are hiring because they're mm-hmm. able to get much much more qualified yeah, and quality competent. teachers, yeah. right? Because of the higher pay. Yeah. You feel more comfortable as a parent while you're at work. You don't you're you're less worried about that and you're also not worried about that bill that you're going to have to pay. Yeah. No, that's true. So this I I believe that again that this human infrastructure element is the most important element and unfortunately this hasn't been passed and it doesn't there's a lot of things in the air that that is the most liberal thing you've ever said on this podcast i want to give you a congratulations (laughs) you said the human part was more important than the physical because i I disagree but i I do think they're I, i think they're both very important yeah i do i really do hey there family We hope you are enjoying the meal so far and are glad you made it to this point in the episode. Look at you. In all seriousness, this project is just one brick of what we're building here at the Octavian Collective and we greatly appreciate you being a part of this journey with us. We are envisioning a multimedia partnership that fosters a space for critical, but also creative thinking. We hope that you engage with us and show your support for the different projects we'll be launching over the next couple of months. Stay up to date with us through our Instagram page at TLC Social and check out some of our upcoming content and in-house instrumentals on our YouTube channel, The Octavian Collective. 
Links will be left in the show notes to help you get there. Thank you again for your support and enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, so I know that there's more to the bill, the bill than just um, the child care uh, acts and all that. It's obviously, well, that's a part of the child care act too, given the, the stimulus checks, the three hundred dollars a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that you think is super necessary, important part of this human infrastructure bill, or is it mainly just taking care of the children to make sure that uh, the, the older adults can be more efficient in the workplace? Um, so another thing that has been added um, into the bill that's been proposed in the bill is a expansion of Medicare um, to cover um, hearing services. So hearing aids and stuff like that. Okay. Now, uh, Bernie Sanders actually wanted to include dental and vision into Medicare, um, but it looks like there was some pushback from uh, Senator Joe Manchin out of West Virginia. He's okay. a corporate Democrat. <laughs> so I like how you call it a corporate. Is is that a real term or is that a term you just made up? No, it's a, it's a it's a term that more people on the progressive side have been oh, considering. Okay, okay. <laughs> just so people know who's bought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in in ninety nine percent of people in politics are bought. But, yeah, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> but those who are just more overtly bought. Yeah, yeah. That's just that's just a way to put it. Um, another thing that was added, um, it is extending the child tax credit from last year. Yeah. That was passed in the $1.9 trillion COVID relief plan at the beginning of the year. Um, and um, they, they're trying to extend it through 2025. So what that Ooh. did actually was put uh, $3,600 per child back into the hands of parents. Yeah. And the way that it's dispersed is over the course of time. Yeah. So they actually received that in the form of payment yeah. as opposed to just a one-time mm-hmm. cut off the off of taxes, which many people have said has um, helped a lot of children um, mm-hmm. come out of poverty. You know, I don't know how realistic that, <laughs> that assessment is, but they believe that it has the potential to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course it's going to take more than just one year to find out what the real of impacts course. are. So it, it, it does make sense to at least extend it out five or six years. Um, another thing that has been proposed in the build back better plan, um, is four weeks of paid family and medical leave. Oh yeah. And they Requ- got rid of that though. Requiring it. Well, it, it was out of the bill. Now it's trying. They're trying to push it, put it back into the oh, bill. Really? It was initially at twelve weeks. Oh yeah. There, there, yeah there's yeah. a lot of quote unquote negotiation going on over yeah. this, um, and I will tell you why it is that is kind of being uh, is is being talked about of being pushed back into the bill after they removed it okay. is because salt taxes. And what is that? So the state and local tax cut mm-hmm. tax deductions. Mm-hmm. Um, this is estimated to be about. $500 billion worth of tax cuts that have been proposed by corporate Democrats <laughs> to to give taxes, tax cuts mm-hmm. back to wealthy, wealthier individuals. Mm-hmm. And it's not, this is not just a Republican thing. This is yeah. a Republican and Democrat thing. So that means a lot of rich Democrats are getting money back. Yeah. Where the, where the Vast majority of the benefits, like 90% of the benefits, mm-hmm. go to people who make a million dollars or more Ooh. in salary, in yearly salary. Because mm-hmm. you got to understand, this tax cut doesn't necessarily apply to those who's, who don't get paid in salary, who, who who don't make the most of their money in salary. Okay. So you okay. have like Elon Musk, Jeff yeah. Bezos, those people, they 
used own a huge amount of stocks. Right. And they're able to leverage that stock into into a a, a huge line of credit. Yeah. Yeah. Because in theory, you should be able to sell off these assets Mm -hmm. and make that money to pay off whatever debt you need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this tax deduction um, was actually, so it would al- allow taxpayers who of, of high tax states, so New mm-hmm. York, New Jersey, California, et cetera, to deduct local tax payments mm-hmm. from their federal tax income, <laughs> their, for, their federal tax returns. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, under Donald Trump back uh-huh. in 2017, so the, ta- the, the, yeah. the taxes was paid at the back end of 2017, a tax cut. They actually put a cap on the deduction on how much people could deduct from their federal tax income. So that's income. something a liberal would do. Exactly. <laughs> that was that was one of the, one of the things that that Trump can actually get credit for. Yeah. Was that a ten thousand dollar cap was put into place? Yeah. So that those who earn that amount of uh, earn mm-hmm. earn a certain amount of money can only deduct ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Off of their federal income tax as opposed to their. I love it. Their state income tax, but the corporate Democrats mm-hmm. and Biden is considered to be one of them. Mm-hmm. They have <laughs> and so Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, et cetera, et cetera. They want those types of taxes in there. So a lot of limousine liberals, those who <laughs> limousine liberals, that's that's what they're called. Those who uh, who that. earn a lot of money, yeah, and they they are progressive in terms yeah. of the symbolic stuff. So yeah. putting a Pride flag up in their window, yeah. um, putting, um, having a Black Lives Matter T-shirt, yeah. stuff like that. That's symbolic, yeah. but they are the same ones who do not want to have low-income housing near their gated communities. Of course, of course. limousine liberals. <laughs> those <laughs> are those who are benefiting from salt tax deductions. Yeah, for for an increased cap on salt tax deductions. So, yeah, that's it. It goes back to what you were saying about America versus the international scale because. It's funny how liberals that want freedom so bad are completely okay with us going to other countries, taking their freedom so that we can get freedom in America. But so it's it's like you're liberal in a very, very narrow minded and parochial sense of the word liberal when it your liberalism comes at taking other people's freedom but that's what's right the, that's so here's the here's the thing <laughs> internationally speaking yeah liberal mm-hmm. is has more of a focus on being conservative economically yeah exactly so what we consider liberal exactly. in america yeah is considered to be conservative absolutely globally yeah absolutely you know agree. so uh, again Videos and other resources. Yeah, we don't got to go down there because yeah. that will get dark. That will get dark. It, it would get dark. It but I just think dark. I just think it's hilarious how people don't realize that. I mean, <laughs> but that's because the media has gone out of its way to make sure that people aren't educated on of what course. it truly means to be left. Yeah. No one in America is prepared to hear about a concept of there being zero borders. <laughs> no one is prepared to hear. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? That's what a true leftist mindset is: is that there's that's no true. southern border, there's no northern border. People can move across it, and people, yeah. and just to, and understand, I don't believe in this, but I, I heard a very interesting conversation about how possible that is. Oh, number my. one, we see that in the EU. Number two, we also see that from state to state. When we, when you and I get on, Fair hop enough. in a car and go from Florida to Georgia, from Georgia to Alabama, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Well, you actually don't need to go into Georgia to go to Alabama if you're coming from Florida, but that's neither <laughs> here nor there. That's neither here nor there. Um. 
we're able to move state to state. Yeah. With without having to go through through border checkpoints. Yeah. You know, so it's it. There are elements, and here's the thing that people will say: Well, how if in the case that somebody commits a crime, how do you how do you combat the same way that that authorities in California can call authorities here in Florida and have someone caught and extradited? It's the exact same process. Yeah. Well, of course, there's some nuance, but you get you get my point. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. So well, it's like, we're but not but a, dive too much into that. But right, right, right. But but, but 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 it's just an example of what true leftist oh, absolutely. belief would be. Hopefully, everyone that's listening can see that point that we're trying to make because I think it's a very important point. It's relative. It's all relative, and you guys have more. The right and the left have more in common with each other than they actually think they do. Trust me. But uh, continue. <laughs> so a few things I think I wanted to bring up in, into this, because we were going to talk about a little bit of infighting between the Democrats, but, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we might as well just breeze by that. But a yeah. lot of the infighting has actually come into place where a couple of things were taken out uh, from the bill that people mm-hmm. aren't happy about. And the two major things are two free years of community college, <laughs> where all students, regardless of income, would be able to go to the to do two free years of community college, uh-huh. which is huge, which would be huge for a lot of low income Americans. Um, it would be huge for um, plenty of those who don't have the grades to get into um, certain universities or certain colleges. Mm-hmm. That that would have been huge for uh, that. That would be transformational for the for the what we consider to be the lowest common denominator in America. You know, I, I I like it in theory. Um, the thing that I'm scared of is having that bill, two years of free community college. There are certain people that shouldn't be going to community college. And I truly do mean this is they need to get into the workforce as soon as possible. They need to start making their money, learning skills, because the workforce is ultimately what's going to hold them up and what's going to cater to them specifically as an individual. Now, do I think the bill should be changed to like, okay, maybe if you have a part-time job or if you have a full-time job, then we'll give you a stipend or credits towards community college? Yes, but I tend to not like free community college for two years. Sorry to for that little explanation, but continue. I have a question for you. Do you yes. believe that high school should be free? I do believe high. Well, it's interesting enough because free community college technically already exists. You are allowed to take community college or college credit classes in high school. Those right. people, those individuals that decided not to take AP or not to take dual enrollment, why is it that we should? Go but here's the thing. They already don't take advantage of that opportunity exactly. to begin with. So here's the thing. How many people do you actually believe are going to, let's say, abuse mm-hmm. the opportunity for them to go to college for only two years? Mm. If they already don't take the opportunity and we and you and I know that is it. It's simple. When you. Have a. The access for going to community college and and having it paid for is yeah. already pretty easy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just expanding it for mm. those who financially are struggling to get in there. Those who who, who are able to get into into mm. community college are going to community college. 
that's that's not for you and I, guys yeah. who went straight to university. Fair enough. It's for those who who went to who we went to high school with, who who either had the opportunity and didn't go, or, or because of the financial, mm-hmm. or, or it just makes it easier for those who decided to stay home and take and get those first two. Yeah, you know, it it just it, and it also makes it easier for people to make the decision to stay home. It's actually physically conservative. Instead of spending all that money at a university for those first two years, That's instead true. you can go yeah. to the co- community college where it's a lot cheaper, mm-hmm. and 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 get that education out of the way, and then go off to a, a university if you so choose. That's true. So this is actually more of a conservative right. way of going about weeding people out, and and so that the wrong person, wrong people, do not go to university or or waste their time and money. I guess I didn't think about it like that, but yeah, I I, I agree. I agree. And what was the second part that you were going to say? Uh, so the I second part. The, uh, if you're going to bring up the IRS, I'm just disgusted about what I just found out about them asking for $80, million, uh, $80 billion. Is that, that's not what you were going to say, were you? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure actually that is included in the bipartisan bill. Hopefully, I, I thought mean, it was included I was in the doing, bipartisan bill. I was doing research earlier today, and from what I understand, they're not going to give the IRSs to eighty billion. Oh, no, they they already pointed, um, put money into either one of these bills. I don't think it's in the by. I don't think I think it's in the bipartisan be. bill, but they put money in there specifically um, for increased um, IRS uh, uh, oh, enforcement. So disgusting. They said IRS was like, we're going to take 80 billion. We're going to turn it into 400 billion because we're going to uh, double our workforce, increase audit and power and all that, which they need to do. And, uh, <laughs> you got to think, you have to understand why is it that it takes so long for a lot of, of um, tax returns to get processed It's because they don't have the bandwidth. Uh, there was a reduction in the amount of people that worked in the IRS. And you got to understand our tax code gets comp- even more complicated with every bill that gets passed. Yeah. I don't know how I agree. I don't know if I like that answer, but <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you what it is. Yeah, they, they're <laughs> You may not, you may not, you may not agree that it, that, 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 that measure yeah. may be effective, but here's the thing. It falls on the backs. Mm-hmm. of Congress as well as the presidency. Mm-hmm. Number one, the presidency has to make sure that that money is being used appropriately. Yeah. That's their responsibility. Yeah. That's what the executive branch is supposed to do. It's supposed to make sure that these laws that are put in, that are being put in place yeah. actually carry out the way that they're supposed to. Okay. That's the, res- that's the literally the responsibility of the executive. Yeah. They're supposed to execute the laws that are, be, that are, that have been put into place. Yeah. So they can hold the presidency accountable for that. They can hold the IRS accountable for that. If, $80 billion gets put into mm-hmm. the IRS over the next 10 to 15 years, and it's and they're still running slow. And yeah. still, they, they still aren't catching billionaires and millionaires that, are, that, that have been finagling their way through the, through the tax code. Nobody. We'll see. They'll catch us. They'll catch the lower middle class. But, see, and, and it, and, but that's not supposed to be what, the, what that, that enforcement is for. Yeah. It's supposed to be for the wealthier. Yeah. That's what's supposed to be written. That's, my understanding mm-hmm. is that that's what's written into the bill. Okay. So yeah. that that increase in that increase enforcement, if it doesn't happen, we as the people are supposed to be holding government accountable. See, that's the reason why it's important for us to be interested in these things, or at least to be aware, even if you're not interested. Yeah. So, by the way, sorry for getting us off topic. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I thought you were leaning towards the IRS. I was like, I don't even want to talk about that. I just <laughs> disgusted. But uh, oh, bro, you know, I I can't stand it. 
<laughs> but what was the? It's even worse when you when you when when you try to run a smaller business. I'm gonna tell oh, you that up front. I can I can imagine. I mean, I you do a lot more than I do with this, but I can only imagine. Um, well, what was the second part that you were going to um you were gonna talk about? Oh, um, so it was just those things that were cut out of the bill. Um, so the thing that was cut out, um, the second thing that was cut out was the um the provision that would help cut um, prescription drug prices where it would allow. Ooh, this is going to be an interesting conversation. I don't think there should be a cut in prescription drug prices. I think we need to get many of the people on prescription drugs off. I mean, I I know it sounds harsh and obviously it's it's all context, all contextual. Um, I would hate to see any bill that encourages people to or any I should say part of a bill that encourages people to stay on prescription medication drugs now obviously it's all contextual there are very real reasons to be on prescription hypertension hypertension drugs um lots of different drugs when I think of prescription drugs unfortunately in my mind goes to like uh depression anxiety and ADHD all conditions that I think well, you give your perspective on it, and I'll rebuttal. <laughs> well, I mean, I I do believe that drugs, in terms of prescription medication, mm-hmm. things that are specifically prescribed to the people that are supposed to be prescribed to, yeah. should not be expensive as they are. Yeah, There are plenty of people who have to go to other countries to get the medication that they need necessary because they can't afford it. Yeah. It's cheaper to travel across uh, internationally mm-hmm. to get the medication that you need. Mm-hmm. Cheaper to fly and get the medication that you need yeah. as opposed to just getting it from your local pharmacy. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah, well, I think like insulin is obviously a special case. Like I don't think I do very insulin, very, EpiPens, yes, all those things. So stuff, you got to yes. understand those prescription drugs like. So I'll recant my statement. So, yeah, let me apologize. I, I came out too hot. I, in that sense, yes, there needs to be a bill that works on that stuff. It's just, you know, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's a certain class of certain of small minority of prescription drugs that I do think is destroying the, the, the well-being of this country, mainly like amphetamines and antidepressants, and, which it's still a controversial thing for me to say. I think those drugs, I'm biased. I want people to get off of those drugs like as soon as possible, and I do think there should not be regulations or bills being helped to lower the price of those drugs, especially amphetamines, which are heavily abused. But Well... But here's the thing: there are some people who would sit here and argue that that for those who have legitimate pain issues, yeah, that those are those are necessary, and it, it is mm-hmm. more ideal for those to be cheaper. Oh yeah, like painkiller. You're talking right about now. Those with yeah. addiction, those those with addiction mm-hmm. should have there should be resources in place. This is where human infrastructure comes into place mm-hmm. for them to go for those things. Yeah, you know, um, there are plenty of people who say who who. One of the, one of the things that has been a um, argument in many uh, larger cities has mm-hmm. been needle exchanges. Oh my! There are plenty of people who don't agree with with providing um, needles, yes. clean needles for those who are going to shoot up drugs anyway. <laughs> Here's the yeah. thing: when you reduce the amount of STD spread, mm-hmm. 
among people who have drug dependency issues mm-hmm. by providing them just with clean needles. Yeah. Not only that, you can monitor the amount of times people are coming in for that, and you can use that as an opportunity to try to help them clean up. I mean, that sounds like that classical argument where it's like, oh, well, if I know my kid's going to go out and drink and party anyway, I'd rather be the... And I'm thinking about doing this with my kid, just being like, hey, look, at like keeping a bottle of alcohol in my house when they turn 16 or 17. Hey, look, at man, you can take a sip. You can make yourself a mixed drink. The whole argument is... I would rather, if I know it's going to happen, I'd rather, I can monitor how much of my whiskey you drink, blah, blah, blah. That's what it sounds like you're saying with that. And, and is that a decent analogy? Yeah. I mean, okay. kind, kind of, sort of. And I'm, I'm not I'm, saying it's right or wrong. That's just what my analogous, analogous mind But it's a safe, it's a safer way. You'd rather for it's your kid to be, to be way, at, yeah. at home drinking yeah. with you than oppo- yeah. as opposed to being out drinking. I have to agree. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it, that's, I'm not, I, Ideally, I, I, you want your kid just to not drink until they're 21, but it, it's realistically. Right. Exactly. Of course. Exactly. We're, we're, we're mature people. I understand yeah, 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 where yeah, you're yeah, going. Yeah. Interesting, though. Interesting. So, so it, and I believe that there should be think, more resources out there to help people with mm. drug issues. Yeah. You know, there's, there's such a, a, a terrible condition where we have veterans. Who are, oh, who are hooked that's on sad. who are hooked that's on sad. drugs who aren't getting the help they need. We have a whole bunch of homeless people who be as a result of drugs have lost they lost their their livelihood, they lost their families and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I I I think the at, at least helping them not contract an STD is <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> that some, was some, a something beautiful that's beautiful way to word it. Yeah, I mean. That's one way. That's hilarious. So, you and I brought up about the 2021 um, election. Mm-hmm. How Virginia went Republican. Yes. New Jersey barely stayed Democrat. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that was because of the salt taxes um, being brought into the, um, for New Jersey. Okay. Being being brought into the, the infrastructure bills. Mm-hmm. So, they're trying to cut taxes on a lot of those wealthier individuals who work in New York but live in New Jersey because they can't afford or they refuse to pay the <laughs> ridiculous cost to live in New York. Very smart of them. Yeah. And very convenient that New New Jersey is right there. So mm-hmm. you got a lot of New Jersey liberals who make over a million dollars who are like, you know what, I would like to deduct, deduct those taxes. But it actually leads into a conversation about about liberal hypocrisy. Oh, Lord. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I um sent you a video mm-hmm. about, it was a New York Times video. Mm-hmm. We'll be linked in the show notes, of course, about liberal hypocrisy mm-hmm. and about how we see a situation where we have Democrats who are in power, but they aren't necessarily progressive. A lot of a lot of the reforms that more more people on the progressive side would have hoped that they would put into the um, infrastructure bills and even mm-hmm. a couple of executive orders that they could have passed, um, just some different ways that they would go about posturing within mm-hmm. um, how they go about doing certain things in in, in politics. Because li- 
let's just call it what it is. Democrats make a lot of promises to people. Absolutely. And say that they're going to do this, they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. But when they actually get in power, not too much action. Right. And in the video that I sent you, it was showing what Democrats actually do when they get into power. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of stuff that they talk about on their national platform actually comes into play uh, um, when they actually are in control. So we've seen uh, the examples that are brought up is the differences in housing. We know that Mm -hmm. California is this really liberal state with really high taxes and stuff, but they have Mm -hmm. the worst housing issues in the state. And they have the worst homeless population probably out of all the states. I mean, I don't know that for sure, but it's terrible in California. It's bad enough that that people outside of the state know about it. Yeah. Absolutely. People Skid take dumps in the road and all that, and mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, man. Uh, in terms of the empty promises, I mean, like, what can we say? It, it's sort of the political system we live in where people don't – it's like people – I mean, I, I hate to bring data in, into this, like an analogy. It's like, Let's well, do it. It's like, well, well, damn. It's like some women want that. Some women want you to – Take them out for a romantic date, lie to them in front. Of, I, I know it sounds controversial. Lie to them, gas them up, sell them the dream, give them the experience, and and then like, and then it ends there, as opposed to being blatantly honest and saying like this. Like people like a dream. People, I mean, why do we play video games? Because you're the hero in that video game and it separates you from your actual real life. And, you know, I'm sorry to get off point, but it's like, it's, I, I can't, it's to the point where I can't even be mad at these politicians anymore. And that's why I have so much respect, not so much, but that's why I think Joe Biden's doing pretty decent given the circumstances. That's why I'm easy and lenient on Trump. Uh, I mean, Obama's probably one of the most worshipped people uh, in my generation that I know in terms of politics and he shouldn't be and because he's somewhat of a snake but it's like man like this is politics so those Democrats not delivering on the promises that they did what they need to do they smooth talked you to get you to to get into your pants they did their job you know they're getting they're paid $300,000 a year to be president who cares about what they delivered? In theory, you know, I have quotation marks up for people that can't see it. So, I mean, I don't know. What what can you say? But I'm not mad about it, but it is what it is. What's your opinion? See, and I find that very interesting. So why is it do you feel that many people develop this type of apathy to stuff like that? <sighs> because, because liberal hypocrisy mm-hmm. or just hypocrisy in general that has to do with economics Mm-hmm. Is the it's never the it's never the thing that that people end up hanging themselves. It's not the rope that people yeah. that, that politicians hang themselves with, but it's usually the cultural stuff. I'm a yes, bit confused yes. as to why the economics are never really taken into consideration Absolutely. by the masses. Help me, help me to understand. I, I, that. I mean, it, or at least give me your thoughts on uh, your your thoughts yeah. specifically. I, it gets even more interesting when you specifically talk about the black community. I mean, I mean, look at. Let me be very lucid. Let me be very candid. The black culture should dislike the liberal party, and I I truly do mean this sincerely. They have proven over decades 
to not be effective in what they're doing, their policies, and they have proven time and time again. I don't know any other person that would use us any other service for 40 plus years. And if they didn't get the results they wanted, they would stick to that company or that service. Mm. But the liberal, but black people have done that with the liberal party. So not the liberal I, party, the democratic, the yeah, Democrat sorry, sorry, party, sorry. The, 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 the democratic party. I apologize. Yeah. So I, I mean, my sense of apathy comes from this. I mean, maybe I'm too smart for my own good. I just look at it and I say, look at this is a human thing. These people have their own interest in mind ahead of yours, which is completely okay. I understand I'm a human. You have you're you're looking out for you before you look out for me. Completely understandable. That is where my apathy comes from. It's very pessimistic, but it's just I'm okay with being lied to. I, 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 I really, that's a bad answer, but, but yeah, I hope that answered your question a, a little bit. It kind of does. I mean, it sounds as if I'm jaded. There it is. I, I'm, I'm absolutely very jaded and I'm, I'm very tired of, and sorry to, you know, end this podcast on like a, 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 a very uh, controversial or emotional note. It's I, I'm jaded and I'm tired of people looking to the government to solve all of our problems when it's like, look at black people have a little bit of integrity and a little bit of, uh, of, of pride. You don't need anybody to solve your, you guys need each other collectively to solve your problem. Forget the government. The government has proven not to do anything for you for the last like 50 years. I'd say maybe longer than that. The answer lies in your own community, but instead you guys are too busy hating on each other and looking down on each other and looking to the white man, Joe Biden, to say, I'm sorry, this is going on a a tangent. Well, some people will sit here and say the reason why they end up looking to the government is because there's so much infighting within the community. There isn't a general consensus that we can come to because we are not uh, monolithic. Mm Mm-hmm. There's that that argument because you have a you have a certain mm-hmm. perspective, mm-hmm. Uh, and and to clarify for those who think I'm about to get ready to descend on that, no, I actually <laughs> agree with everything that he's that he's yeah. saying. Um, I I'm agreeing with everything mm-hmm. that you. Yeah. I do agree with everything that you're saying. Mm-hmm. However, some people would say that there's an there's a there's something that people feel as if they're old from this government. Because at the end, at the end of the day, the hard, the hardest workers are the poor Mm -hmm. people. They work the hardest in terms of of physical energy that is being expended. Mm -hmm. The amount of stress that they have to deal with mentally because of everything that is going on at home. Mm -hmm. Poor people Mm -hmm. are are they are owed something from this from this government. They are owed something. There is zero reasons why. There are multiple <laughs> billion dollars mm-hmm. being allocated in military defense spending mm-hmm. for Jeff Bezos. Yeah. For Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. Number one and two in terms of the wealthiest men on the planet. Yeah. There is no reason why they should be written into a single bill. <laughs> not, a, not a single subsidy should be provided to them. Mm-hmm. Earlier yeah. on, the, the money that seeded Tesla... Mm-hmm. 
came from Obama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Billions of dollars were, were, were subsidized on the benefit of Tesla, yet Elon Musk doesn't want to pay back. Like, yeah. think, think about that. Meanwhile, the American worker, the poor worker, the, the, the poor black, the poor white, the poor Hispanic, uh, mm-hmm. poor Latino, Latina, Latinx. We're trying here on this show, people. Yeah, <laughs> we really are. We really are. All inclusive. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not so sure there's an easy solution to this problem. I, and I'm also I, I don't mean to sound conservative here. I, I'm Bro, also it, not chic. sure. <laughs> I'm also not sure that taking money from rich people and putting it into the hands of poor people is the answer. I know that sounds super controversial. Um, I do think if that were to be done, I know hypothetically, if you were to just take money from the rich and give it to the poor, even if it was increased wages and all that, I'm not so sure that would solve the problem as to how we got in this situation in the first place. Ladies and gentlemen, that was our podcast. I just want to take a moment to thank everyone that took a listen and is currently supporting what we are doing here. It really means the world to us. Once again, you can find us on Instagram at The Grown Table all lowercase one word and also you can follow us on twitter at the grown table all lowercase one word godspeed